Well, I want to greet everybody, um, obviously at home or maybe in other locations today. We can't gather together here at IPC, but um, hopefully this, uh, this time can be a blessing to you and to your family. Uh, and that uh, really together, even though we're apart, we can encounter the truth of God and, and know the ministry of God's Spirit here. So, um, yeah, welcome, and I look forward to what's ahead. Let me pray I'll ask God to bless our time. Father God, I think of the people who are home right now, um, whether they're get, gathered around uh, uh, as a family or whether they're on their own, I just pray that you would be with them, even right now, Lord. Um, um, as they hear this sermon preached, as they hear your word read and, and described and applied to their lives, uh, Lord, join us, we pray, and, and encourage our hearts and minister to us in ways that uh, only you know we need. So bless us in, in this time, Lord, and uh, allow this to be a significant moment with you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been thinking a fair bit over these last few days about this question. How is it that God's people... Um, navigate, if you would, a crisis? How do we manage it? How do we live through it and live through it well? Uh, because there's no question God's people have lived through many crises over uh, many, many years. I heard of a pastor in England just this past Sunday, and uh, his comment to his congregation was, listen, we have lived through the Black Plague, and we have lived through the Bubonic Plague. Certainly we can live through COVID-19. And he was right. God's people manage and with God, and with God's presence and God's blessing, we can manage well. So I'd invite you to look at one of the um, crises that come to us in Scripture. By the way, there are many, many of them there when you start to think about it, one after the other. And we're going to look at one of them today, and we're going to see what we can learn about what it means for us today to be the people of God and uh, to manage well in the midst of it. I'm going to take you to Exodus chapter 16. The Israelites had left uh, Egypt. They had left the suffering and the, and the oppression of slavery. Uh, they had escaped through the Red Sea in that powerful moment where God blessed them and, and protected them. They were not yet at Mount Sinai. Uh, they're headed that way uh, where they will really meet their God uh, for the first time. Uh, he will give them the Ten Commandments and... Uh, um, reveal himself and, and his will to them uh, as, as a people. But as they travel, as they're on their way to that place, two crises emerge. First one comes to us in uh, Exodus 15, and they literally run out of water to drink. Uh, it's serious. They're two or three days from dying, probably fewer. They're in a desert. I'll tell you a little story about uh, me when I was traveling at one point with Heather from Las uh, Vegas to... Um, Sedona, Arizona, and how I got to Las Vegas is another story. It's a good one, but it's another story. We weren't intended to be there, but we traveled through a desert, blistering heat. It was so, so hot. Arrived in Sedona, and someone said to me afterwards, did you have a case of water with you, bottled water? And I said, no, it didn't cross my mind. And what I was told was, if you get stopped or stuck, if you have a breakdown in the desert, and no one can come quickly to help you, um, you need a lot of water to be there because that heat can dehydrate you and you can get sick really quickly. That's the scenario these people are in. And it's a crisis to them because they know if they don't have water to drink, they will die. Um, well, God blesses them. Uh, they come across a pool. The water is called bitter. God tells Moses to throw a piece of wood into that water. It becomes sweet and they can drink it. Their need is met. They soon travel to... Elam, where there are 12 pools of water. There's an abundance of provision that God uh, gives to them. 
Well, chapter 16 comes along, and this is where we're going to focus our energies today and our thoughts. Uh, this time, the problem isn't water, it's food. They've run out of food. Um, they are again in a dangerous place because without food, after a time, they know what we know, that they would not survive. Um, once again, they're in crisis, and it's dangerous for them. Well, let me listen to the story, how, how it unfolds, and we're just going to march through the passage verse by verse as we go today. So let me read Exodus 16, verses 1 to 3. If you have a Bible, uh, please get it. It's a great thing to not only hear it read and to hear it preached, but to, care, to, to, to read through it and, and allow it to impact you um, as we study this text together. It says this, verse 1, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin, uh, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Well, you can see the sort of predicament they believe themselves to be in. Lives are threatened in their minds. We know that Egypt, by the way, wasn't good for them. It wasn't great. It was a place of suffering and struggle and of, 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 of oppression. Um, but it's really easy to look back uh, when you're in a tough spot to the good old days, which often weren't all that great, um, and bemoan your present circumstance. That's what's going on here. Um, they obviously are having second thoughts about this man Moses and his apprentice uh, Aaron, and about this God who had sent both of them to the Israelites. Um, they've just survived dehydration, and now they're not knowing what to do about how to survive the potential of starvation. It's a real crisis, and they're afraid. And their response is, why didn't you just leave us alone in Egypt? Why don't you kill us there rather than bringing us all the way here that <laughs> we would die in the desert? They're complaining ostensibly against Moses and Aaron, but as Moses will say in, in a few verses, and I'll read them to you, he says to them, you're not complaining against us. You are complaining against God. We're just the spokespeople for the God um, who has sent us to you. Um, complaining against God. I haven't heard of it yet, but if not now, it might not be too uh, far into the future when we begin to hear people doing that very thing. God, what's going on here? Uh, why are you allowing this? Why did you lead us to this place? This is dangerous and it's life-threatening and I don't like it. I think that's a possibility as we go forward. Well, God uh, responds, and what he does is incredibly impressive. He responds with love and with grace. Let me read four, verse 4 to 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice uh, as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, By evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. Then Moses added, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning. For he has heard your complaints against him. 
What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Then Moses said to Aaron, Announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance was fine as frost, and it blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, It is the food the Lord has given you to eat. You know, what God did in that instance is what we spoke about last Sunday when I spoke to you about the 23rd Psalm. He provided what his people needed. The shepherd of Psalm 23 gave the sheep what they needed in that moment of time. And he did so in abundance. You hear that phrase that the Lord spoke uh, to Moses early on. He said he was going to rain down food upon them. A deluge of food would, given, be, would be given to these people. Quail for dinner, dinner and manna for breakfast. What God does next is curious. And it's really here where I want us to focus our attention today. Most people, um, when they heard what God had to say, uh, took it seriously. God says to them, I'll read it in a second, that he wants to test them to see whether they would obey his instructions. Um, so verse 16 to verse 18. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. <laughs> As I said, most people bought in. They heard God, they heard his instruction, they did what he said. But some people didn't. Listen to verse 19 and 20. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. After this, oh, that's where it is standing. You see, why did some of them not really buy into the instruction? Why were some resistant to what God was speaking into their lives? I want to suggest to you because these folks didn't know God. Because they didn't know God, they didn't trust God. All they saw was their dire circumstance. All they knew was fear about their impending potential demise. And you know what they did? They hoarded. Does that sound at all familiar to us today? But in the end, that hoarding didn't help. It didn't bless them. It wasn't what they needed. The manna rotted. Then God goes even farther. Let me read 21 to 26 for you. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. 
On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, four quarts, for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation. He told them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want and set it aside uh, and set aside what is left for tomorrow. Uh, pretty clear instruction. So they put some aside until morning just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today for today is a Sabbath day dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There will be no food on the ground that day. Um, and this is how the people of God are really introduced to the idea of Sabbath. They're going to hear about it in the Ten Commandments. They're going to be told they have to observe a Sabbath day, but here it is, a day God gives to them, and he calls it a gift to them to relax, to rest, to enjoy and to let God provide. But again, while most obey, not all do. Verse 27 to 30. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. This is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so there will be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each, must each stay in your place. Do not go out and pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. Um, you know, we, we, we think about these folks who went out on the Sabbath day, again, not knowing God, not trusting God. We have to have a bit of compassion for them. You know, they're afraid. We've got to remember that. They're in a dangerous place in spite of God being with them. But they're just looking to survive. They're doing um, on their own as much as they can possibly do without giving reference to God and to what God has promised to them. Final verse from this text that I want to read to you is verse 35. In a way, it really summarizes the story. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. My friends, for 40 years, God did exactly what he said he would do. He provided for his people in this way. It's a question here um, that I want us to think about. Why did God arrange this scenario for these people with their manna, with their daily pickup of it, etc.? Why did he arrange that scenario in the way that he did? Um, particularly when you think about how much anxiety and fear these people must have felt. Why not allow them to hoard? Um, they're struggling. Wouldn't it be better to have an abundance of manna in the storerooms that they could just relax and take it easy because of and they're afraid they're struggling <laughs> um, even to the point of wanting to go back to slavery in Egypt well the, the answer becomes pretty clear in the text it really does number one God wants them to know who he is let me go all the way back to verse 6 and 7 and read it for you it says there 
So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God's going to prove himself. He's going to identify himself. And in the morning, verse 7, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. You see, what, what Moses recognizes is because of this scenario where the people have to pick up only as much as they need each day, they're going to come to realize who God is. They're going to start to get to know him. And more than that, they're going to see the glory of God. They're going to see and experience his majesty and his beauty and his power, the awesome nature of a loving and gracious God. Same in verse 12. What does it say there? I have heard the Israelites' complaints, the Lord speaking. Now tell them in the evening you will have meat to eat and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. You hear it? Do you see it? Each day they would be reminded about how good their God was. Every single day. So reason number one for this scenario, God wanted, them, God wanted to reveal himself to them. He wanted these people, his people, to know him and to know his heart and to know his grace and his love and his, his ability to provide for them and to care for them. And secondly, through this provision, they're going to come to trust God as they daily wait for and receive the manna from heaven. So day after day, take only what you need, God says, for tomorrow I will provide for you. Tomorrow I will provide for you. You see, God is putting them in a situation where they need to depend on him to survive. Um, a position where he literally gives them what they need over and over and over again. It's how God wanted them to live. And I want to tell you, my friends, that's how he wants us to live. In this ongoing experience of his provision, of us knowing who he is and of us trusting him. Think about Jesus, Matthew 6, 33. Seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus says to his disciples. Make your priority seeking this, this reality of, 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 of the kingdom and, and what it means to live righteously before God. Make it your priority. Make it your passion to find that and to live in it. And he said, all these things will be added unto you. All these things that they've been talking about. Do we have enough food or where are we going to find clothing? Um, Jesus is saying, relax. God will give it to you. As you seek him, trust him to provide. See, in the end, what he wants is a people who will trust him implicitly, a people who will completely trust him, and a people who will be able to rest in his provision. Mm. That, in part, I think, is why God allows crises to come. There are other reasons, I'm sure. But he leads us into them and through them and beyond them. And as we go and as God provides, we start to grasp the reality of his glory. We come to understand his power and his ability to, to provide. We come to understand how much he really loves us and how near and capable he is. And in the end, <laughs> we start to develop this relationship with him, which is not only a relationship of awe, but also a relationship of love. You know, we come to understand his love for us on a daily basis, and he receives then our love and response in return. And in the end, we have a relationship with him. 
we'd never have a relationship of trust and of faith and of dependence that we would never have if we hadn't lived through the crisis. Now briefly, let me deal with this Sabbath issue. Double collection on the day before the Sabbath and then none on the Sabbath day itself. Also, his people could rest. That's what the word Sabbath means. It means to rest, to cease doing what you normally do, to stop your work. And the idea behind this is you might think you're alone and you might think you have to fend for yourself and you might think you need to work seven days a week in order to survive, but you're not alone and you don't have to do that. God says to us, take a day as a gift from me. Take it and enjoy it and be restored in it and enjoy the creation that I have made. And you will know my provision for you. So that Sabbath rest, it literally becomes an act of faith as well as an act of obedience. See, my friends, I want to tell you today, if you own a business, God can bless your business dramatically anytime he wants. You don't have to work seven days a week to make that business flourish. He can take care of production issues and he can take care of sales and all those things that might weigh in your mind. Rest. Trust him. Watch him work. Some of you, you know, might, might just not have enough money uh, that you think that you need to live on. You might think it's all up to here, but God comes along to us in this text and he's saying, no, relax, rest. I've, I've got your back. I'll give you what you need. It's okay. Trust me. You see, my friends, what's going on here is God is putting his people into a position where they... They need God to act so that they see his glory when he acts. And he says to us, live this way. Trust me. Exercise the gift of Sabbath and watch what I do for you. You'll see you're not alone and you will know who I am. At the end of the day, here's the question for us in the midst of COVID-19. As we are feeling threatened in this time, we're threatened with lack. We're threatened with sickness, potentially. We are threatened with death. And the question is, will we rest in God during these days? Will we relax in Him? Will we trust Him to provide for us what we need? Will we allow ourselves, can I put it that way, to be in a position where we need God to show up for us? and to give us our manna daily. You know, there's a verse in Isaiah uh, chapter 30 that I want to read for you as we wind down. I love this verse. It's a beautiful verse in my mind um, that speaks so much to, to the reality of what we're about right now and what we're speaking to. Um, it begins with, with recognizing the fact that God is sovereign. And I just want to emphasize that right now. Uh, God is the sovereign Lord he has a plan and has a purpose um, and, and he reigns over COVID-19 and, and, and ultimately his will be accomplished. It will be accomplished. But this verse says this, the beginning of it anyway. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Are you listening? Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. 
in quietness and confidence is your strength. Isn't that beautiful? Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. That's what God wants for us right now. That's what he's calling us for um, through this text of Scripture from Exodus. I just want to tell you, my friends, based on the authority of Scripture and, and, and its truth as the Word of God, God will take care of you. God will provide for you everything you need, even if death comes. He has provided for you in the cross of Christ. Forgiveness and grace are yours if you are his. He will provide for you in that moment of death. Psalmist has written, as precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. Precious. He will be there. And he will provide for you in, into and through eternity. This incredible place of blessing uh, that we will all know when our lives end. You see, the Lord is saying, no matter what our experience in these next weeks and probably months, um, trust me. Completely trust me with your life and with your health and with your provision. And rest in me. Rest, relax, because I am right there. And I am able to provide. And I love you so much that there is no way that I wouldn't provide for you. Just in conclusion, the series that we were in the midst of before COVID-19 interrupted it was entitled The Presence and the Power. Remember? We talked about the reality that God wants us to experience his presence and he wants us to experience his power. And we were offering prayer after each service so that you might know that presence and might see God work in response to prayer and um, it, was, it, was, it was going well. I think people were really being blessed in it. And my sense is that you were valuing that sermon series. Let me ask, why is it that some people never experience the presence and the power of God? Why is it that some Jesus followers never really experience the presence and the power of God? Well, one reason is that some people refuse to be in a position where they need God to show up so that they never encounter him in provision and they never see his glory. I want to say to you during these days, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Rest in him. As Isaiah 30 says, return to him every day. Rest in him. That's how to survive a crisis. That's how to make our way through a crisis, by being in intimate and living relationship with Christ Jesus. And as you do that, I want to tell you, quietness and confidence will be your strength. And that is what God desires for you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each one of these people who is listening to this, uh, this sermon today. Um, and I thank you for the power of your word. 
and the clear, clear teaching that it brings for us, especially right now in the midst of this crisis that we're all living through. Lord, we don't know what our need will be, each of us, as we go forward. We just know that we have need of you. Um, and Lord, we're willing to trust you. We are willing to return to you daily. We're willing to rest in you. We are willing, Lord, because of those moments, to know that we are not alone. Um, and Lord, not only are we willing, but we are eager to see you provide for us so that we can see your glory. Reveal your glory to us, Lord, as individuals and as a church. So, Lord, that we can trust you more. Teach us to trust you more. So that, Lord, in the end, we can be people who dwell in quietness and know a confidence that gives us strength. Lord, I pray for your blessing upon the people of IPC, upon our broader community in Oxford County, Lord, our country, this world, we need your blessing. We pray again that you will um, rid this world of COVID-19 and do so quickly. But Lord, as you respond to that prayer as you choose, we will trust you and we will love you and we will learn to see you and know you more. Cause us, our God, to be people of faith in the midst of this, to know what it means um, to make our way through this well with you. And this, our Father, we pray in the name of Jesus.